Well, last week we took a little dip into the pool of John 15. Last week was mostly about the state of the church address and and where are we going as a church this coming year thematic-wise. And you can see the new banners behind me, this idea of abide. And this is not necessarily what we're to be about. It is a particular focus as we live our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit and according to the Word of God. And we, tr- we try to do this every year and, and prayerfully go about it. And so last week we, we took a little dip. And you remember me talking about I wanted to bring an illustration of a basket of fruit. Do you remember that? And, and I said, unfortunately, there was like one orange left and it just wasn't going to translate very well. I should do this more often because two days later, the basket was full of oranges. So I'm going to start mentioning like donuts, pies, you know, all those things. And, uh, but we had a little something happen around our house over the past few weeks that kind of translates a little bit better as far as an illustration that I think will connect, for lack of a better term, this idea of abiding or remaining. If you have one of those smart devices, can you just hold it up? If it's your phone, if you have a tablet on you this morning, anybody got a smartphone? You know, or if it's buried in your purse, which it should be, and muted, which it should be, uh, you can just raise your hand. Okay, many of us have one of these things. Now, have you ever had a deep crisis in your life? We had a few deep crises hit. My children have all been given as gifts from other people some of these devices, kind of handed down through the family. And... Uh, it's like an umbilical cord for them. It, it, it is attached. And so Janine and I have been kind of praying and thinking through, okay, you know, how can we um, diminish this a little bit and, and, and not make it all... And, and we didn't realize how much this had dictated. And there was so much abiding in, in these devices. And so uh, one of my children did the uh, infamous drop and dunk accidentally uh, at school um, where their device that they had inherited went into a certain plumbing receptacle. And their life was ruined. Shortly after that, uh, another one of my children this past week was around another body of water. And I don't know if there was a small tremor Maybe it was a hypoglycemic issue in their life, but they lost control and that too went into the ever depths of electronic destruction called water. Now, something that just occurred to me right now is that this was an electronic device and it went in where this person was and they didn't, praise God, they didn't die. I guess there's not enough voltage there. But again, you would have thought death had happened. In fact, and so I started thinking about how these devices, and then this past week, I was trying to upgrade my computers. I I finally got rid of Beelzebub, the phone. It is gone, and and I've gotten this, this, I finally got my upgrade time. And I I got my upgrade, and so now you have to reprogram everything, right? Because hardly anything transferred. So I'm, I'm trying to, and then at the same time, we were blessed with a new home computer, so I'm trying to upgrade all that and get that online. And then... We're trying to get me off of Office 2003 
uh, here at the office. Um, I know we're a little dated here, but so we're trying to do that. And so I had to, you know, update that. And it was just this, you ever suffered the way I suffered this week? Uh, you cannot do this without getting, no, it's, it's not compatible. You can't do that either. You're just stupid. You can't do this. And the computer's just talking back to you. And so on three different levels, I was disconnected this week. And so I was feeling it. We don't have a PowerPoint this morning because I can't make my Microsoft work anymore. And so I feel disconnected. Now you are suffering lack of fruit. No PowerPoint this morning. It is amazing. Imagine to yourself, and probably the best illustration that we can hold to for those that have these devices, put it aside for a day. See if you feel it. Put it aside for two days. See if you feel it. Put aside Jesus for a day. See if you feel it. Put them aside for a week. See if you feel it. It is amazing, visceral illustration for those of us that are sucked into this electronic world. And, and I started thinking about that. And I'm like, well, come on. That doesn't really work for everybody. And there's a time period during the summer where my family goes out. I speak at a camp out of Catalina. And we are completely disconnected. And we start to shrivel up go into the fetal position. There has to be uh, a defibrillator, electronic defibrillator. No, we survive fine. As a matter of fact, we thrive. We thrive. So this cheap substitute that we think we have to be so attached, it's by choice. And remember last week, I, I shared that with you, that our abiding in Christ is a what? It's a choice. It is a choice. So let's see what Jesus says about this subject and what we are to learn from it as we embark on this theme of abiding. And uh, just so you know, I've got both the electronic and the written word here. As we do so, let me encourage you again, if you're not in John 15, turn there. And we're not going to read through the whole passage. We're just going to go verse by verse and, and break this down. So let's start... Verses 1 through 4. This is what I call the kickstart, all right? This is called the kickstart. That's kind of a relative term. How many of you have heard that uh, in, in our culture now? You know what a kickstart is? It, it is the way to get a project underway. It's, a, it's a, uh, a funding, maybe, of a project so that it will then, in turn, blossom. This is kind of what Jesus is doing with this illustration with the disciples. There's a little bit of a kickstart here. And so let's read the first four verses. Number one, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine Neither can you unless you abide in me. Well, Jesus starts out in verse 1 saying that he is the true vine. What does that mean? Have you ever gone and looked at a a grapevine? And you're looking from the top down. and, And where the real vine starts is where? Starts in the ground. It starts in the earth. And you see a bunch of vines... But to find the true vine, if you were going to graft off of it to start another vine, you would have to find the what? You would have to find the true vine. And there are many that came at the time of Christ and would come after and would come before that would say that they were worth following. 
Jesus differentiates Himself from those. And He says, I am the true vine. And He says that the Father is the vine dresser. So Jesus sets Himself up and He sets Himself apart. He is true in this illustration that He uses. What do we take from that? We have to take this, that Jesus is our foundation. He is our resource. He is the root, as Paul would say, right? Rooted and established in Christ. That's who Jesus is. And that's how he describes himself in this illustration. Verse 2, he now transitions into the idea that the Father is the vine dresser. And we're going to be looking at these different characters and, and their roles within this illustration. So now we move to the Father who plays the role of the vine dresser. Do any of you have husbandson in your translations? Good. Stick with vine dresser. It's, it's much more appropriate. You know, you can't just plant a vineyard and come back 10 months later, a year and a half later, and try to reap the fruit. You have to attend to it so that it reaps the most fruit possible. And so you have to have a vine dresser. And these people are experts at what they do. And their whole purpose is so that the entire plan of planting the vineyard is realized. The vision of producing fruit is realized. And the vine dresser will make sure that the vine is thriving and the vine produces the best fruit. What does it say about the vine dresser? We'll go back to verse 2. It says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. There's two things that Jesus lists here. One is that if there is a dead branch, if there's a dead part of the vine, what does the vine dresser do? He removes it. He pulls it out. Anybody ever have uh, uh, fruit, vineyards, anything like that? And, and you kind of go through and you have to kind of break off the dead branches. We used to have plants in these pots and, and every once in a while I would do that. I'd come through and I'd break off the dead. And then there was nothing left because nobody waters these plants. And so... I took everything away. It's gone. It's finished. I'm the vine. I'm the plant dresser. That's why everything's going plastic. But God deals with real people. And the reality of what we need to glean from this is that Jesus is saying, if you are a dead branch, if you do not produce, if you're withered, it is a drain on the vine. No resource, no part of me is going to you. That is why you are dying. You are not remaining in me. And there can be multiple reasons for this, my friends. We'll get into that in a moment. But what does the vine dresser do? He says, I want the vine to be fruitful. I want it to thrive. So we're going to break off or we're going to gather up the dead weight. And where does it go? It goes on the trash heap in the back of the vineyard and we burn it. The reality of that, my friends, is... There's an illustration to be understood from the lips of Jesus that if we do not remain in Christ, we will be gathered up and burned. That is a reality. But the beauty is we do not have to be destined to that. You simply need to seek to remain and abide in Christ. Well, if I were you, and I am you, because I am a participant here, my role right now is just to speak. 
But just like you, I have to evaluate my life. And I have to say, am I producing fruit? And these words of Christ should motivate me to look deep and make sure I am remaining in the vine and I am producing fruit. Because when that vine dresser comes, I don't want to get nervous. I don't want to get nervous. Now the second part of what the vine dresser does is he works on the branches, doesn't he? He prunes them. And how many of you are, are into taking care of plants and things like that? And, and you know, you do this every once in a while. Mulberry trees. Love mulberry trees. Absolutely. They're like one of my favorite things in the entire world. And just the way that you prune a mulberry tree, I don't know who started this, but, you know, I think it's indicative of what the mulberry tree deserves. Um, you just take everything off that thing and make it look uglier, if that's even possible. Right? You prune down a mulberry Those are those trees in your neighborhood that there's no branches in winter. They've been absolutely uh, eviscerated by the landscaper or gardener. And uh, there, there aren't branches. There is, and, and I don't understand the concept of it, but grab that idea. And what I've been told is that they, they grab that stuff, but they, they prune that stuff off so it comes back, what? Fuller and healthier the next year. That is an incredible, extreme example of pruning. Now, what happens if he doesn't prune? We don't grow. We don't grow. What does pruning look like? Well, I would say that as the vine dresser gets in and he starts pruning, he's looking for unhealthy branches. We've already seen that. But he may be looking for areas that have a little bit of disease, right? If you're thinking about the plant, maybe it has some parasites. Maybe uh, there's too much going on on this one branch, and so he has to take some away. What would that look like for us? Maybe idols. I heard another pastor on the radio talk about this this past week. And he, he actually happens to be in this exact passage. And he says, there are those things that we put in front of God that become parasites in our spiritual life. And God will, as the vine dresser, prune those things away if we allow them to become diseased. And some of those things may be good. Some of those things may be healthy, but unchecked. And when it becomes all about its own thing, and sometimes you'll see some of that happen on vines, that suddenly there's this weird thing going on and it gets sidetracked and, and it's a parasite. And, and the vine starts being all about that rather than what it's supposed to do and so it stops bearing fruit. What is that idol for you that's keeping you from bearing fruit? Is it your career? Well, I, I don't have time god for doing this this or this because i'm just i'm too busy but i do my devotions and i go to church well uh you know what you know what number two was going to be it was going to be football but i'm not i swore i wasn't going to speak about that this morning You know, for all, for all of those that may be staying home today because their favorite team is playing, how many of you have ever wondered if God looks down on that and makes their team to lose or their quarterback to snap their femur or, you know. So let's just see what happens. And uh, we'll have to talk to certain individuals that have laid foot. No, I'm just, we won't do that. We won't do that. Amen to that too. I'm sure you've all prayed for your favorite team before you came to church. Sometimes it can be family. You know, when Jesus said that you need to leave your 
sisters and brothers, let the dead bury their dead. It wasn't because he was anti-family. It's because he knew that we would take that which God had given us and blessed us with and make that the priority in our life rather than God. Do you realize that that, that's one of the greatest subversive plots of probably the enemy? If my enemy knows, and, and these are some of the strategies that will be going on in the football field today, it's distraction so I can get at you through the back door. And so what are those areas in my life that Satan will create as distractions? Because if he comes at me straight on and says, deny your God, just give up, walk away, I'm not doing it. But if he comes from another direction and, and appeals to my sense of covetousness or, or, or lust or whatever it would be, he might be able to be effective slowly but surely. And remember that the contrast and the measurement here is, am I producing fruit? So the challenge is, am I going to place my family in front of what God wants me to do? Here's something that is a bit draconian to say. If I do that, guess who I put in danger? I truly believe this. I'm not saying that this is how God operates, but I believe this. If the family becomes more important than God, and through their suffering, I get off task of what God is asking me for to do, guess who becomes a target? My family does. Do you realize how important it is to remain in Christ? To abide in Christ? Enjoy those things that He has given us, but remain in Him. Don't remain in the things. So He prunes. He prunes. And we don't always like it, but we understand that pruning is for growth. Pruning is to pull away parasites. Pruning sometimes is for the purpose of grafting in that which needs to come into the vine. And that's a challenge for us as a church that as we are growing, there's, there's many new people in this room. If we don't break off, if we don't prune some of our relationships, we will never form relationship with the new people in this room. We have to develop relationship with those around us in the name of Christ. Verse 3, the abiding, as it's called. The abiding out of verse 3 says this, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. He's talking to his disciples and he says, You've already been pruned. Why have you been pruned? Because of my words. Because of the word of Christ, my friends, you and I are pruned. We are thriving. Don't lose track of this. Jesus emphasizes it. And if you study the disciples, they struggled like you and I. But Jesus gave them His words, didn't He? He gave them instruction that was good and healthy and that would correct so that they would be able to remain in Him. The same applies for us this morning. That to abide with Him is this picture of the vine and doing fruit. It's, it's this spiritual codependency. It's the remaining in me and I in you as he, as he stipulated. You know, the interesting thing about uh, these things is that they produce fruit, right? What's that silly game? Candy Crush? What is that? Austin? Candy Crush? Yeah. Um, how many? I just want to see. How many of you are doing it? Raise your hands. 
One, two, three, four, five. Oh, yeah, some of you are like very slow to raise your hands. How many of you have, let's, let's just get to it. How many of you have the Bible on your smartphone? You can raise your hand. Pr- Look, now the hands go up. Yes. Now, here's something that's fascinating. I can only glean fruit from this for so long. And then it's what? It's dead. Unless it has this. When he says, abide in me, and I in you, so that you may produce fruit, are you getting the visual? Those under 40? Right? You'd be amazed where the stress level hits in my house when someone can't find their charger. It no longer becomes about this. It is all about this. And if somebody's charger is missing, they go to steal somebody else's charger. Here's the beautiful thing. When you're tapping into Jesus, you don't have to steal him from somebody else. The disciples are pruned because of the very words of Christ. You cannot bear fruit unless you remain in Christ. Our purpose of remaining in Christ is to bear fruit. These are Jesus' words. I intimated this last week. And, you know, I'll still stand by my words. That we as believers want to, we want to say that the depth of understanding the Scriptures is the apex of our spirituality. We want to sit underneath deep teaching. Because if we can sit underneath deep teaching and we can understand it, that makes us what? Deep. Boy, you guys need to get deep because that wasn't that hard to figure out the transition. And where did we learn that? We learned that from somebody else who told it to us, who exemplified that. And where did they learn? They learned it from somebody else and then they learned it from somebody else. I'd like to meet the guy who first taught us that. Because what has happened as a result is that I believe it has created a culture within the Christian church, within the evangelical Christian church, in some senses, that the, the goal, the vision, is about being deep in Jesus. Stop. That's it. Let me reset that for you. Jesus says what? He says that You are to remain in Him for the purpose of feeling fulfilled. Correct? Well, it does say it kind of in verse 11, but we'll get to that. He says over and over and over that the reason we are to remain in Him is so that we what? Produce fruit. Just this past week, as I was sharing this with somebody, they said to me, well, what about the person who goes and they just do and they do and they do, and then they, you know, they just get exhausted and then there's fallout. I said, well, then we get to just totally eradicate Jesus' words. He didn't know what he was talking about, right? Then that person has lost what last year's theme was. That we are divine partakers and it is according to God's divine power that we do any of this and they have lost track of the idea that remaining in christ produces and i turn to them and i use the nursery as an example because i picture myself doing nursery work about as much as i picture myself with a million dollars 
I'd go over there and I'll tell you, I'll just be honest with you. I mean, like, even the night before, I'd be saying, I, I'm not looking forward to screaming babies. I am not looking forward to screaming babies. And I'm getting in my car and I'm saying, I'm not looking forward to screaming babies. I'm walking down the sidewalk here. And I'm, I might even be late because I'm so not looking forward to screaming babies. And I get in there and I'm looking at your baby and I just let it scream because I'm so not looking forward to screaming babies. And I go home and I'm frustrated. I'm like, what good was that Sunday? And I'm burnt out because I've been doing this for two Sundays in a row. For me, that would be burnout. And I said, those who remain in Christ, it looks like this. I don't really enjoy doing nursery. But I'm going to start praying that the Lord would help my attitude. I'm going to be codependent on Jesus with this situation. I'm going to see him work through me. And as I'm holding this child, I'm going to start praying over this child and the future of this child. Now it's a spiritual act of worship. And as I do so, I see a change in me. And I see a joy that results where joy didn't exist before. And then I start thinking about how this family who is always carrying around this baby and has very few moments by themselves suddenly are released to hear the Word of God and that they are responding to the Word of God because of the spiritual act of worship that I did. And it has now produced what? Fruit. And now my joy is full. Folks, that's what it's supposed to look like. That's what Jesus desired from His disciples and from us. So whatever you do, don't do it in your own strength. Because Jesus will say in a few short minutes, you can't do it. You can't do it. You'll accidentally put the baby in the wrong room or something. As we move on in the kickstart, just remember, these are Jesus' words. Now, here's the fascinating thing. If you ever had to go back, you just knew that whoever you were talking to wasn't getting it. And so you gave them a presser. You gave them the specifics. You're really specific with what you wanted to hand to them. Jesus has just done that. And I don't know if he's seeing the lack of registration within the disciples' eyes. Or he knew just from the get-go that this wasn't going to work the first time around. So now, starting in verse 5, he goes back over it. Do you understand the significance of something like that? I'm hard-pressed to find another metaphor, illustration, allegory where Jesus, within its very allegory, redoes it over and over. This is a point of emphasis, my friends. That Jesus is laying, this is how important this is. So starting over, all again, and this is the breakdown. It's verse 5. And He says, basically, let me break it down for you in case you didn't catch it the first time. Verse 5, who is the vine? Who is I? Jesus. Who are the branches? We are the branches. This is for relationship. What is the purpose behind this relationship? So that what? We produce fruit. Very good. You got it. You're better than the disciples. You're doing better than the disciples. Verse 6, he says this, If you aren't abiding in me, it will be obvious. The vine dresser will come along and gather you up. He will remove you because you are dead. You are not producing fruit. 
You may be part of the vine, but you actually are affecting the vine by not producing. Let's turn to Matthew 21, shall we? This is an illustration of this in real time. It's the Passion Week. Jesus is walking back and forth between Temple Mount and Mount of Olives. And it is His time. He spent the better part of uh, 2.8 years saying, my time has not yet come. And now it is His time. And they're walking through the Kidron Valley somewhere between Mount of Olives. And He sees what? And actually, this is interesting. Jesus is hungry. Jesus is hungry. And he sees a what? He sees a fig tree. Verse 18 and 19 of 21. It says this. In the morning as he was returning to the city, he became what? Hungry. Speaking to Jesus' humanity. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. Wow. Wow. I don't know if there was an organization at the time like PETA, you know, protecting animals. Maybe there's one like called, uh, I'm not even going to try. I, I, I don't even know what it would be called. But it's something that protects plants. That would be PETA again. I don't know. Yes, double P. There you go. But they would have been a little upset with Jesus for this. But let's look a little deeper into what this is. It needs undressing, so to speak. See, here's the thing about fig trees. In March, at least in the Holy Land, in that region, fig trees will produce what are called edible buds. This would have been at this time, right? And it's not the fruit, it's not the fig, but there are buds that then blossom in April into leaves. And as those leaves prepare to bear fruit, they give way to the actual fig, which comes in May. But interestingly enough, something I learned is that you can eat the buds. Now, I get a little weirded out about a vegan diet, but, you know, this is proof. Jesus goes all natural here with, with food and diet. He's eating the, the buds of the food. And so that's what he expected. There's a lot of uh, illustrious interpretations of this passage, but I think this makes a lot of sense without getting too far out there. And so... In essence, what happens is that he was expecting something that was edible that would bless him, and it was not there. And so the fascinating thing is that if it didn't have buds at that time, there's a three-year gestational period for fig trees. And that meant that this tree would not bear fruit this year. And so there was a deeper meaning in the shadow of the temple. That which was the pinnacle of religion. The pinnacle of what would hold all things Jehovah, God. They had lost their point. They had lost their way. They were no longer producing fruit. In the shadow of that, he curses the fig tree. says, you will never produce fruit. There's a big lesson to be learned in that illustration. I think the biggest is Jesus' attitude towards that which does not produce fruit, but names Jesus as Lord. We need to be mindful. We need to be mindful of it. We need to produce fruit. Verse 7, If you abide and my words abide in you, ask and it will be given. It is so important that the words of Christ are that which shape and prune us. Verse 8, 
This is like the vision statement. Let's, let's look at it. Verse 8, turn back to John. Uh, this is important. And, you know, vision statement, mission statement, purpose statement, this statement, that statement. You know, a lot of people have different attitudes as to how you interpret all of that. We even went over it in a cluster meeting with the pastors in our region um, this past week. But this is a good vision statement because what it does is it produces within us a picture of what the expectation is. I believe that that's what a vision statement is supposed to be. And so why is all of this supposed to work this way? Well, if you look in verse 8, it says this. By this, my Father is glorified, number one. That's the first purpose in all of this, is that God is glorified. Number two, that you bear much fruit. That's the second thing that we are to see happening into this idea of abiding and remaining in Him. Third thing, and so prove to be my what? My disciples. If anything you walk away with today, walk away with those three things. This is Jesus' expectation and why He wants us to abide in Him. Number one, that the Father be glorified. Number two, that we bear much fruit. And number three, that by doing so, we prove that we are His disciples. Lastly, verse 9 is this motivational statement. It, It goes to the whole essence of joy. I'm sorry, of love. That this is not mechanical. And as he's preaching this, he's preaching it again in the shadow of the temple where people had lost their love. It had all become about legalism. It had all become about crossing their T's and dotting their I's. And, and that's how religion would be practiced. So Jesus comes with a revolutionary idea that remain in me, abide in me. I will give you everything that you need. And not only will I do so for purpose, but I will do so in love. In love. And as in our world, in our context, in our culture, we seek to be successful. How many of those things that we strive towards produce love? Versus just money. See, Jesus says the purpose behind this is that I give you love and you give love to those around you and you love me back. It's not just mechanical. And verse 10 is the reward statement. It's like an Amway catalog. Did you guys ever get recruited for Amway, ever? If you're a diamond man and you're in the congregation today, please forgive me for what I'm about to say. I remember seeing one catalog one time, and and it had all these things. You know, if you got these points, I think it was, if you got these certain amount of points, you could get this vacation, you know? And if you got these points and, and these things accrued, you got this, you know, this trinket. Or, or, or whatever it would be. I was kind of enthralled in that. And you know, that's the interesting thing about how we operate. We always like to see what are we going to get. So if we remain in Him, here's the fascinating thing. Jesus knows that we have this proclivity towards saying, oh, well, what's the result? What am I going to get? What's the reward? Here it is. Verse 10 and 11. Let's read it. It says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You want full joy? I do. And I really want the joy of Christ in my life. I desperately want that. And this past week, I can tell you with full assurance 
that as I was preparing this message for the past three weeks, that I experienced that this week. Whether there were challenging things or whether there were just great things, but in every spiritual endeavor that I embarked on, it provided joy. It wasn't easy, but it provided joy. And joy that I could never manufacture. This is the reward. So what's the spiritual purpose in all of this? Well, we know that the vine is Jesus. He supports, He nurses, He feeds. Uh, he works through the vine. We know that the vine dresser, the Father, is operating according to the ultimate plan, which is to produce fruit. And He will come along and tend to the vine and tend to the branches in order to get the best results. We know that the branches are us. We're the believers. And our responsibility is to remain in the vine. We are to produce, depend, rely, respond, remain. We are to be simpatico with the vine. And the fruit, this is the Holy Spirit. Right? Paul talks about it in Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit versus the fruit of mankind. Love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, and on and on. And this is where we tend to get a little askew because we see that as for us. Folks, we are the mutual benefactors. That is great. That adds to our joy. But how many of us have experienced and our life has been changed because of somebody's patience with us? Because of somebody's self-control with us? If you're not connecting on this, just imagine being around someone who isn't self-controlled and you're trapped in that relationship. That when we act in the fruit of the Spirit, there are those around us that see the results of that and then what do they do? They ask, how do you do this? And we say, well, we remain in Christ. And then they give glory to our Father who is in heaven, Matthew 5, 16 and 17. That is how this works. This is what it means to abide. And so this morning, as we finish, I just want to give you one more visual. I was able to share this from my notes that are all right here. I could have printed it out on paper. Oh, no, I couldn't print it out on paper because my Microsoft doesn't work anymore. But because I plugged this in last night, I'm still at 82% battery. We could go on for hours, but we won't. When your battery starts going down, get plugged in. Stay plugged in. Don't get too far off the vine. You've got to remain there. And if you do so, you will produce fruit. And this church will continue in what God has for it. I stand as your pastor not saying, boy, if, if we start producing fruit, we will be a vastly different church. No, you are producing fruit. Because many of you are attempting to remain in Him. And I see Christ working through you. And that blessing, that fruit, gives me joy. I'm the benefactor. Let me close this morning in prayer. We're going to ask the men to prepare for the offering. And as we do so, a couple things I just want to reiterate. I'm so excited about this endeavor of no more mort. Um, it's, sorry, that, that was the youth pastor. I mean, you got to label things with just zippy names. Some people ask, what was that? What was that all about? We've had a unique opportunity to see this happen. We're excited to see what God is doing. And on the 26th, I fully believe we're going to burn something outside, even if it is a spare the air day. Um, We'll get some kind of variance or something. 
And uh, it's an exciting time for God's work going out here and His provision for us. And it's because of that provision through His people that we see fruit. If you are visiting today, this coming Saturday night, we're going to clean my house. We're going to shut down all electronic devices. And we're going to have food. The baskets will be full of fruit for you. There may be some baskets of donuts. I don't know. But we would encourage you, come join us 6.30 at my house and get to know the pastor. Ask any questions you want. We're an open book. We get to ask you any questions then in turn. No, we, we, we would enjoy meeting with you and getting to know you. So uh, hopefully we'll see you Saturday night. And, and you don't have to be brand new. You could, you could have been at this church for a long time and say, I don't even know my pastor. I don't know how that worked, but you're welcome as well. Let me close in prayer and have the band come on up and we'll close out the day. And um, again, may the Lord shine upon you for making church the priority this morning to worship Him to make Him that which you want to remain in. Let me pray. Father, this morning we have been blessed to come together in prayer, in the Word, collectively in music, and now worship through our giving. Father, it has been a tremendous morning and an encouraging morning. Now take that which we have experienced collectively together and let us go out and bear fruit. Let us understand when we are being pruned that it is for the benefit of what God is doing. It's for His glorification. It's so that we would bear much fruit, not minimal fruit, and that we may prove that we are His disciples. Thank You for the wisdom of Scripture and that Your words would remain in us so that we can abide in You. Lord, use this gift. Use it beyond what we could ever do. And for Your glory. Amen.